0: Presented by Onyx. Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. This week's show is brought to you by Otter Tail Lakes Country. Go to ottertaillakescountry.com. Show off your pride for the outdoors with new gear from the Sporting Journal Radio store. Go to sportingjournalradio.com, click on store, and browse our selection of hoodies, hats, mugs, and more at sportingjournalradio.com. Well, the Minnesota trout opener was last weekend and while I didn't make it out, I wanted to talk trout here on the show so I can live vicariously through our guests. Now I have a, I have kind of a relatively new appreciation for, for trout fishing, whether it's, uh, Lakers or, or stream trout, um, our guests this week, they all have the trout itch, and I want to ask them how they've been scratching it. Uh, first off, we have Scott Mockentune with us. Now, you may have read some some of his articles in uh, various newspapers around the region. And, Scott, I just—I think I did this last time you were on, but I like reading your bio from Instagram every time I have you on the show here. He's an amateur angler, mediocre fish squeezer, half-blanked half hunter, lousy lousy sport bad attitude he reads at a sixth grade level which is not true and uh, but he can fry a mean slab of bacon scott mocking you ladies and gentlemen on the show this week
1: scott how's it going it's it's going well i mean having the chance to get out and fish and uh, spend time talking to you what's what could be better
0: <laughs> that's right let's we'll focus on the fishing part that's probably better uh we also have marie nevy with us on the show marie lives up in duluth and spends a lot of time chasing fish thanks for being with us this week Thanks for having me. How was your trout opener?
2: We uh, ran into some sketchy ice conditions um, where we were trying to fish. So um, it was a struggle. We had to kind of replan things on the fly. But
0: All right. well, we, I we add- found
2: some safe ice. and. <laughs>
0: that's always a bonus I'll ask you a little bit more about that and have you go into detail here as well and Hunter Madsen joins us too he's been spending a lot of time uh, learning Lake Superior uh, in the last year or so and uh, learning more about its trout secrets and is uh, with us too hunter thanks for being on the show
3: thanks for having me
0: <laughs> that's a big lake to try to learn isn't it
3: oh yeah it can be pretty sketchy at times that's for sure <laughs>
0: uh, overall how's it been going
3: um it's been really great actually it it was a learning curve when I first started out. It was really tough, but once I started to figure it out, fish wanted to bite. That's for sure.
0: It can be really good fishing, but the lake can obviously be fairly intimidating. Of course, as it should be. It's a giant body of water, but uh, fishing is—it's so—it's just strange to me at times to think about that fishery being essentially in our backyard here, literally probably in your backyard when you live up in Duluth up there. But uh, to have that type of fish, I mean, it's like living next to an ocean really and ha- and having that here in the interior part of the United States basically, uh, northern part of the United States. It's a unique body of water. And I wanna ask you a little bit more about that as uh, we talk on the show this week. But Scott, let's go back to you because you have a tradition of fishing a lake that my family has a tradition of fishing of, only we go up in the summer. Um, you go up there, and then you probably make multiple trips up there. But you go up there up there in the winter, up off the end of the Gunflin Trail there to, to sag Saginaga. Um, you were up there last weekend.
1: That's that's correct. Yeah, um, very fortunate to have married into a family that um, my my wife's grandparents retired up there after a long career at uh, Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing and. <laughs> that was kind of their dream, to to be able to have a big log home on on Seagull, or actually on Gull, between Seagull and Saginaga. And uh, I've had a chance to to fish up there in the winter once I acquired a mobile. I knew I wanted to start learning the lake and fishing it in the winter for lake trout. And eventually, we started kind of a family trip up there, and uh, it's been a a blast to to learn it, as as you put it, you know, both summer and winter auto charting the lake, finding different spots and, and kind of figuring it out. And there's not a lot of people that get a chance to fish it cause it's, it's remote and access is, you know, it's, it is a wilderness designated wilderness area. So there's, yeah. you have to work to get into it.
0: And our, our family is a 3M family and we've been spending time up there. So, so many connections. Uh, SAG is, board, is on the border. So half, half of it is in Canada, half in the States or whatever the, uh, Uh, the size may be for each of the countries. But did you, did you, did you stay on the Minnesota? Can you get across? You you probably need an RABC to get across now, don't you? Were you able to get across or just stay on the Minnesota side?
1: Stayed on the Minnesota side. Um, You are correct. Past, you know, COVID has been a little bit challenging with this for the, you know, the last two years, including this year. Um, Typically you would get a remote area border crossing permit, go into Canada, then be able to uh, walk across and pull your things into portions of the American side. This year, um, you know, it's definitely more of a, of a challenge. You can operate a snowmobile in a small corridor running up the Seagull River to the Canadian border and, and kind of move off that corridor, uh, you know, and access from there. I saw folks on skis and snowshoes and, you know, I just toughed it out for about a mile in boots uh, on Saturday and then, did about a half mile run to a different spot one way uh, on Sunday.
0: So you, I mean, do you go up on snowmobiles, or how do you go up the channel?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that that's the idea. You go up the, you go up that corridor, which is is the limited corridor for being able to operate a snowmobile, and then get off the snowmobile and walk into your spots from there.
0: So that corridor, if you're going up in the summer, you can only have uh, motors that are no larger than twenty. It's a twenty five horsepower limit. Uh, you, is there any kind of restrictions on the size of your snowmobile or is that just hey take the snowmobile up you're good
1: yeah no no restrictions on the snowmobile but you're right in pointing out uh there's that 25 horsepower limit and the the there's it's kind of a mapped out portion of the lake where it's permitted you basically can't go west of american point and I forget what the limits are on the eastern boundary. I haven't really pushed out that way too far. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting exemption. There are some others in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness Act that was kind of an addendum to the original Wilderness Act to 64. So um, worth, worth reading up on and, and checking things out at your respective entry points.
0: Well, it's interesting. I know getting a remote area border crossing permit's been tough lately. Are they? Did they? Have they been restricting them, or they're not? Can't they're not them. giving them it out, out at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah. when when you can go, and when we we go in the summertime, so I have a sixteen foot boat with a twenty five horsepower motor on it and everybody else on the canadian side there's no no size restriction on your motor so i always have to tow all the other boats up that channel that's that's always my job uh, when we go up there but that's a pretty unique uh area it's such a so much history up there and uh, beautiful of course and the fishing is good um so if somebody were to like if you had your location on your phone right now and somebody has your location like you share your location with them do they think you're still up there then
1: yeah so that was one of the low lights of the trip was uh for as avid an angler as i've been uh ice angler i should specify um i've lost plenty of phones through the years i've had water go over my waders i've had yeah uh you know just it's a lifetime of Professionally and personally, always being in and around water, working with fish or, or fishing or waterfall hunting or what have you, I've lost my fair share of phones, always from immersion. But as smartphones have developed better waterproofing technology and the ability to be immersed, and rubber grommets to protect them from moisture damage, um, I've never, I haven't lost a phone in a while. But this, this one was a total loss. For the first time ever, I did <laughs> drop a phone down an ice hole.
3: Come on.
0: <laughs> we did that. Uh, my buddy did that in South Dakota one year, but it was—I think it was 18 feet. But it was crystal clear, and we had an underwater camera down there. We went to the hardware store and bought uh, a landing net, and then a bunch of PVC and taped them together and made this big, long retrieval system. And after about four hours of work, we were able to—we uh, were able to get the phone back. How deep of water was it where you were at, Scott?
1: I, I was in forty-two feet with a, a mixture <laughs> of boulders, and it was getting late in the day, where it was dark. I I wouldn't even attempt to try to recover it at that point. So, it yeah. was a goner.
0: That's tough. Well, you know what? When you are up there, it's kind of you probably couldn't use the phone up there anyway to communicate. But it's sometimes kind of nice to get uh, get away from uh, communication devices and get rid of those phones a little bit. Um, Marie, have you ever uh, lost a phone or dropped anything into the into the lake through the ice?
2: absolutely on more than one occasion <laughs> it's my best piece of advice for someone new to ice fishing is never set your phone on your lap
0: <laughs> that's the problem right cuz you'll forget yeah. it's there and you'll stand up or you'll move and it'll slide off you
2: can't feel it through your bibs and
0: and I think that's something about like being in a sleeper house or, a, or just a, you know, a wheelhouse, some sort of enclosed fish house is. The, I, I think it's the way they build them. There's probably cell phone companies that have conspired with uh, like Ice Castle or something to build angles and everything. So when you drop your phone, it bounces one way and it like pinballs all the way to the hole. Inevitably, it ends up in the hole and in the lake. What, um, what, what, so you found some sketchy ice originally this weekend but you were able to find some safe ice out there
2: we did yeah our plan was to fish a pit lake in the grand rapids area um that's stocked with our royal strain so it, it does produce some really nice fish um and even with good ice later season it's it's really inconsistent um so we went out with spud bars and right through two two cracks um oh boy. <laughs> yeah so we changed plans we were already in the area um so we ended up fishing a put and take um lake and we caught very small lake trout um but you know what i i would rather have fun on the ice um yeah. a beautiful day than than kind of be worried and nervous all day so there's plenty of time to get back there and Absol- i will
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely and even small lake trout they're fun to catch sure. trout in yeah, general absolutely.
2: they chase just, the same yeah
0: just angry fish so much fun um was there a lot of snow on that lake then that had the sketchy ice
2: there was enough i mean it's i think over 300 feet deep um Mm. and you know it's it's a pit Pit lake lake. so it's it's filling and it yeah it was enough that the slush and the thin ice was a no-go for me personally and maybe a few years ago i would have ventured out but (laughs) those days are over now
0: sure well you you obviously like to fish uh you spent a lot of time doing it what what got you into fishing
2: um my first i guess fish fishing addiction was muskies, um, muskies? really uh, yeah and i think that's why i like lake trout so much i love visual fishing um and you don't get a lot of that in the winter um but with trout um you know sight fishing for rainbow trout or you know like i mentioned watching lake trout chase up and down it's kind of a game of cat and mouse yeah. um it, it, it's just a really unique experience so that's huh. kind of how i got into lake trout just the visual
0: musky fishing for you don't hear many people say musky fishing was their first it was kind of how they got addicted to fishing
2: yeah i did things a little backwards
0: (laughs) i'm surprised you can still afford anything after starting off with musky fishing um you probably got really good at casting uh after trying to catch a musky forever how was musky fishing? did you get some nice fish
2: i did yep um I finally have a boat instead of a canoe. Um, that I'm figuring out a new a new piece of water where, where I live. So it was actually pretty good this year. Yep, I got a couple nice ones.
0: I grew up on a musky lake in Wisconsin. Uh, our cabin was on a musky lake, and we never really target them too much. We. We, we would catch them once in a while, bass fishing or casting, or we'd go out and try to catch some muskies too. But I'd always go out in a canoe when I was a kid and I would have these, you know, they were probably mid forties, maybe mid to high 40 inch muskies, but they'd, they'd always chase it up to the canoe and then they just sit kind of next to the canoe and taunt me a little bit. And I always wondered like, what am I going to do if I actually catch one of these things? <laughs> you know, in a canoe, did you catch some muskies in, uh, out of canoes?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yep. Before this year. Um, and it's fun and my canoe is a beast, so I can Mm. stand up. Um, you know, it's really stable. Um, just be prepared, have your tools, have a net. Um, you don't, you know, you don't want to make it as easy on the fish as possible. And in a canoe, you need a little extra help for that.
0: Yeah, Yeah. for sure, absolutely. Uh, And I didn't have any, like I was a kid, I had a fishing rod. I was probably lucky to have a life jacket in the canoe with me, (laughs) and I just would paddle out in front of the cabin and and cast. Hunter, what made you want to start fishing Lake Superior?
3: Well, I've been going to school here at UMD um, in Duluth uh, for this is my senior year, and it's just always there. It's always from whenever you're at a high point or you look out into the horizon, you can see Lake Superior, and there ain't, I mean, there is other fishing up here, but not too much, but it's, I've, I've just known, like, there's lake trout in there, there's salmon, anything's possible, it's a little dangerous, but it's, it's going to be fun to figure out, and I had a friend who, he had a 16-foot boat, and I told him, oh, yeah, I, I got one too. He's like, oh, you can take that thing out on Superior, no problem. You just got to watch the wind and yeah. know what you're doing and have a escape plan if all of a sudden the wind switches, and you, you'll you be good to go.
0: So, How did the first trip out there for you go?
3: So the first trip that I ever made out on Superior, lake trout fishing, we were trying to jig, and it was not too windy, but it was out of the northeast, so the waves were huge and we're just kind of bobbing around bobbing around not catching nothing and of course headed in had to re figure out what we were doing and ended up going out and trying jigging out of McQuaid harbor a couple more times didn't have any luck and after that i realized okay i gotta get some gear together to do some trolling and once i got that and then it was pretty straightforward from there.
0: Do you, uh, and, th- and Marie, I'll ask you this question too, but do you guys, do you fish the tributaries uh, for steelhead at all or have you uh, do you fly fish at all or anything like that?
3: I have in the past, but I'm not too much of a fly fisherman, so I didn't have very good success, but I've heard good things. It's a pretty neat
0: experience, and honestly, I go with a spinner.
2: I haven't gotten into a lot of that the tributary
0: no it's a lot of fun uh, when the steelhead run it's pretty cool
1: i've had a chance to do it a couple of times either out at the brule or um, fishing fishing in spring or fall you know really unique opportunity for for folks to try out it it does take a little bit of uh, time to to figure things out so definitely learning curve
0: it's just kind of a scenic uh, way to fish too it gets a little combat fishing i think at times depending on where you go but uh but it's pretty neat and with the brule you can get into those browns over there too i, I believe and hunter you when you were fishing by Schwamkin there you were getting into some browns here recently
3: oh yeah we really got into the browns last weekend well i i had never been out there it was uh free fishing in wisconsin this last weekend and I saw a TikTok on it and I was like, oh, oh no my. way. Well, might as well make the trip out there. <laughs> and went out there and kind of just was like, we were catching coho, catching white fish. And I was like, man, I wonder how we're going to get into these browns. We really got to kind of figure something out here. But the salmon were still coming through and sure enough, a group of like just five big marks came in and all the other marks kind of went away. and. That's how I got my first brown, and the rest of the day we just kind of picked them off slowly. Most of them came off bottom, but that first one was suspended pretty high up. That's cool.
0: I haven't spent a lot of time targeting them. I actually want to go do that Lake Michigan deal where they catch them. Then they catch them like right off the docks in the winter. They drill holes next oh, yeah. to the, the docks over there um, in the in the city, which just seems odd to me. But that'd be a lot of fun to do. And I think that's probably the first time I've ever heard of anything positive coming out of tiktok so i guess we'll take that but you bring up something about social media and scott i want to talk to you about an article that you wrote recently that's it spawned a number of conversations i've had recently with a lot of people and i want to ask all of you guys about the role of social media and hunting and fishing we brought this up in the sjr insiders group and had uh, some pretty interesting responses there since you wrote that article what have you been hearing from people about the pros and cons of social media in regards to the outdoors?
1: Yeah, and so what I wrote was just sort of a reflection that is a, a much larger topic. Obviously, you can it can really branch out, but basically, a, a, there was a podcast uh, that had a discussion about the role of social media and uh, the 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 host of the podcast and his brother were kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum of uh their thoughts on social media and and there might be some localized issues of crowding and people and what what do we tell about uh our experiences on the water with social media but i think by and large um i think most of us at least myself see it as a positive a way to get new people into the outdoors to try new experiences and and uh part of my article is just talking about what are hunter and angler motivations why do you go out and and do these things outdoors and i, I think for the most part we have a lot of compelling reasons to get out and social media um is probably not the lead thing but it it, it helps uh, helps people enjoy the experience it's a uh...
0: It's a hot-button topic for sure, and everybody, just like any other topic in the outdoors, everybody has an opinion on the subject, and I think you can look at both sides of it. And it really, social media really is just media. I mean, it's like I, earlier in the show, we were I was talking to Joe Henry about it, and social media is like having – remember when, when your cable – Provider or satellite TV, all of a sudden you had 400 channels to choose from. That's kind of like what social media is to me. It's like everybody has their own TV channel now. Some you want to watch, some you don't want to watch. Um, some you can't stop. It's like watching a car wreck sometimes. You can't stop watching it. But there's good and there's bad to it. And I think it's all, again, it comes down to whether or not social media is, is good or bad. It's more about the user and how, how social media is being used to be good or bad. Because you're right, there's a lot of ways to introduce people. To new outdoor experiences and social media is just what everybody's doing nowadays. It's just where everybody lives. Um, good good or bad, or you know, maybe not on TikTok. I don't know why anybody be on TikTok, but uh there there is definitely a lot of benefits to it, but you're right, there can be some hot spots that can be given away and then that hot you know all of a sudden you'll have crowding
1: there and well i i'll just jump in to say that i i think we got to bring some numbers to the table on on this if we really want to hash it out um you know part of that discussion like you said this is where r3 rubber meets the road our yeah. What, what are the limits do we have enough supporting habitat do we have uh, are people too crowded and, and that was a concern that was that was brought up with this and, and other people have brought it up but to me i know this is a, a group of minnesotans or upper midwest folks that are talking here today about trout fishing Generally, there's enough places for us to spread out and there's enough water and there's enough public lands and we don't deal with it. And when we look at when we look at the demographics and we look at license sales, we do see these declining trends. So I'm not too concerned that we're bringing too many people into it. In fact, I've had conversations with a lot of folks about seeing less hunters on the landscape, not running into many people at the duck launches like I used to 20 years ago. Um, not as crowded at, at, at a public launch um, or a trailhead. So I guess it's all where you are potentially.
0: Marie, how do you feel about TikTok? Let's get your opinion on...
2: I don't do the TikTok. <laughs> what no, do you think about... I don't, I don't watch them, no.
0: <laughs> yeah. What do you think about social media in the outdoors?
2: Yeah, as far as social media goes, I think um, there's pros and cons. Um, outside of what you guys touched on, um, pros it can be a resource for for folks just Mm kind of getting into fishing and hunting um a good way to network um is you know following people that um fish with you know conservation-minded tactics and and that sort of thing um cons one thing that i've noticed especially with ice season is it seems to be a competition is who can get out first and it's earlier and it's earlier and You know it's not always safe um and i feel like people they got to post that picture they got to be the first one out there um and also just people keeping fish for the picture um keeping piles of fish just you know because they need to post it um for whatever reason and um so from what i've seen those are the cons of social media but i think there's good and bad
0: I've seen a big trend on social media with a number of people, a number of brands too, and I'll give them credit for being that way. And it's less about those piles. They're trying to make an example by showing less of the pile photos and more about the experience photos and, uh, you know, telling a story and the adventure versus, you know, showing, um, you know, six dead walleyes on the ice or whatever the case may be. And I think that's important. And I think it, Showing that limits aren't the measure of success is what everybody that you know, people like us that may uh, be some sort of uh, in some sort of influential or communicating position, um, need to keep communicating that message that limits aren't the best measurement of success. That being said, limits are kind of fun, but that's the beauty of catch and release. And if you, Marie, in the time that you've been fishing, obviously being a musky fisherman, you were probably a catch and release. Uh, had a catch and release mentality from the beginning. Uh, do you keep, do you keep a trout to eat once in a while?
2: Once in a while I do, um, the inland and lake trouts, um, have really good salmon colored meats. So I'll keep a few of the smaller ones. As far as Lake Superior goes, um, if you can get into the leans, some of the, the smaller, I think, um, silvery colored ones, those, those can be good eating too. Um, I smoke those, but primarily catch and release.
0: I was just going to ask you, what's your favorite way to prepare them? Yep,
2: yep. and I don't smoke them. Uh, I've got a, a deal worked out with some friends that do a lot of smoking. Uh, so as long as there's enough that they get to keep some, they sure. do the smoking, and then I make lake trout dip out of it usually.
0: Oh, interesting. Hmm. You know, you brought up one thing, and then maybe this is for a different conversation too, but the different types of lake trout. Uh, not everybody might realize there's a couple of different species or strains, maybe, or what I don't know what the right word is for of uh, lake trout in Superior. Uh, what, what? There's four different classifications of lake trout. That seem right. There's, I think they might have dropped it down to two, but
1: I think it leans, was four.
2: The, the ciscoets, the red fins, and there's one other one in the middle there.
1: A humper. Anybody? Humper. Yeah,
2: humper. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: those uh, ciscoettes, Those are the big. Big fat ones, right? And oh, greasy those ones. Are, those yeah. are my favorite.
2: The ones you want to catch, but don't yeah. eat. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we I so I fish in Saskatchewan all the time, and uh, we fish on Tazan Lake up there, and the we have this the smaller uh, it, they they don't have the research on that lake yet to determine if it's sis, like ciscoets and and leans. But I, it's got to be what it is, because you control a shoreline and catch 100 of those two, three pounders, and then you can go out deep and catch, you know, I think we had one that we figured was 72 pounds a couple years ago. But they're just big, gluttonous, meaty fish, and they're just so much fun to catch, just just so strong. But that's what I, f- I figure it's the same kind of deal as Superior with the, the different uh, classifications of lake trout like that. Um, what about, uh, like uh brook trout do you chase brook trout at all
2: no i don't uh do a lot of stream fishing Mm -hmm. um primarily lake trout on you know if i get over to schweming bay um you'll get into the browns um uh, i have done some rainbow trout fishing Sight fishing through the ice is really fun that's cool um, when you can can do that yep
0: that's the best it's like seeing it's like looking into an aquarium
2: it is yep and it takes some discipline too, because you want to set the hook when you see it, instead of when you feel it. So right. it takes a little bit of getting used to. Uh,
0: that's awesome, uh, Hunter. What about you? Do you um, do you keep a fish to eat, or you'd like to catch and release?
3: So this past weekend, um, the browns, pretty much all the browns, I threw back. I think I had one where it got a hook in the eye. I kept that mm-hmm. one, but. Yeah. For the most part, I like to throw back a uh, bigger fish and I kind of like the direction everything's headed where like people are more so glorifying, uh, fish releases. And, yeah. uh, like I see a lot of guys posting videos of their fish releases and I don't know, I think it's great. The direction so, it's headed.
0: And I love to eat fish. So I like, I, I do like to keep some to eat, but, um, there's something about putting a fish back, you know, there's there's something about that and keeping a fishery sustainable and things like that. And S- Scott, you, uh, I've been told that brook trout are the best tasting of them. Uh, do any of you have any firsthand knowledge? Would you be able to talk about which ones you like the best?
1: I don't eat enough of them to yeah, I'm break it down man. that way.
0: Right. Uh, they're good to eat, but more fun to catch. What, what's the most, maybe Scott, maybe I'll start with you. Cause I think I know what your answer is going to be, but what's the most unique place you've gone after some sort of trout?
1: Well, yeah. So the predictable answer for me is going to be any of the fisheries in the black Hills. Uh, but I'll, I'll definitely say, um, when Lake Superior gets enough mm. uh, ice, when we get cold years, I, I definitely enjoyed that. Um, I've had a chance to do it now a couple of times, and uh, it's it's been awesome. It's a unique experience. The fishing's been very good. Um, but on the, yeah, the Black Hill side, it's just diversity of options out there. South Dakota game fishing parks, uh, stocks browns, rainbows, brook trout, cutthroat trout, and uh, splake So you have, and there's lake trout out there as well. So you've got mm-hmm. uh, six different species to vie for.
0: And why do you go out there, or what do you do out there?
1: Yeah, we've got an event called Hooked on Hard Water. Uh, it is a fundraiser for the Rapid City Club for Boys. It's a long, uh, long-established kind of. Uh, like the name implies, Club for Boys. Uh, it predates the Boys and Girls Club of America, so it's remained independent, and it's just wonderful the work that they do. That's kind of a melting pot community. There's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of issues, so being able to support a program that keeps those kids off the street, uh, pairs them up with mentors, gets them outdoors, it's, it's a really kind of a win-win and a unique, a unique uh, program.
0: When I found out that there's tiger trout that close to me, I almost jumped in my truck and drove over there.
1: That's right. And Tiger's true. I forgot to throw a Tiger. So there you're up to seven. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: That's, and that's a that's a great cause, obviously, as well, too. Where can people learn a, a little bit more about that?
1: Uh, definitely head over to the Facebook page, uh, Rapid City Club for Boys, Hooked on Hardwater event. I know there's a banquet fundraiser that you can support a boy. Uh, there's There's raffle tickets to win prizes. There's a lot of cool things. So anyone interested in helping out, check that out. All right. See,
0: social media doing some good.
1: Exactly. Of course, uh,
0: Marie. I want to ask you one more social media question. Uh, as a as a woman who who fishes, w- uh, what do you think about some women on social media who participate in the outdoors and how they use social media? That's
2: that's <laughs> that's tough. Um, I think, you know, women fishing, getting out there, um, is great. And I support, you know, what, you know, whether you're doing it with guides, with friends, with significant others, it's great that they're just doing it. Um, but be real about it. You know, um, a lot of take a picture with the same fish, different hat, that kind of thing. Um, there's no need for it. You know, you're welcome. You're welcome in the sport. Um, just be real about it, and that's the kind of example that we need to set for, for you know, kids, for little girls that are nice. kind of looking up to us. So,
0: Marie, what, what's the most unique place you fish for trout?
2: I'm going to have to go with uh, my backyard, Lake Superior, as well. Um, I, I'm one of those crazy people that just kind of crosses my fingers uh, every year and hope for a couple weeks of 20 below so we can get out there. Um, just because it, it's humbling, really when I kind of feel like I'm allowed. You know, I'm yeah. allowed to get out on this huge huge body of water on the ice. Um, so that would be it for me.
0: What's the biggest fish you caught on Superior?
2: Um right around the thirty inch mark. Hmm. I've had a had a few heartbreaks, but the biggest iced fish, um it wasn't a monster.
0: Hey man, anytime you get over thirty inches though, that's that thirty inch mark, that's a nice fish. There's nothing to complain sure. about with that. Sure. That's good. And they fight, man. How deep a water they, was it?
2: I think we were right around 90 to a hundred feet. Um, and keep in mind that you can see them, you know, 20, 25 feet down. So it's. And they're probably suspended.
0: Else. Yeah, I mm-hmm. suppose. Yeah. that's fun. So <laughs> I remember when I ice fished superior, I think one of the most unsettling feelings was we had to drill separate holes for our transducers because of the the current and the depth that we were fishing so that we could actually read and that one of my i think it was jamie was out there fishing one time and uh the ice had shifted while he was out there so i think he realized that the ice he was on was moving i think it was jamie was telling me that <laughs> like yeah well uh, the ice started moving while we were in our they were in flipovers or something and realized that uh
2: keep your eye on the depth
0: the lake was changing. Yeah, I think that's what it was. The depth was changing. Yep. I think that's how he <laughs> realized it. Like, oh man, that—that's a big lake. It's definitely a big lake. All right, Hunter, what about you? Where's uh one of the most unique places that you've done some trout fishing?
3: So my favorite place, I'd say it's it's pretty unique too. It would, would be two harbors because every like I can go out there. Yeah, you, you actually can catch lake trout jigging for them there. But you can also catch them trolling and every day you're going to kind of have some sort of a different scenario going on if it's dead calm you're not going to have any current if it's windy current one way um there was one time after trout season had closed we were just going out for salmon and it was a strong northeast wind but because of the break wall there was some like the current was coming by the break wall and kind of creating some swirls. And we, the fish were just stacked up in that current break right there. And I don't know, just, I've seen many cool things out there and I love fishing it.
0: Have you found uh, like a go-to presentation that you like to use on Superior? Color, jig, lure, whatever the case may be.
3: You know, I have found presentation doesn't matter too much. I'm sure other guys would argue it does, but for the most part, it's where you have your bait where in the water column, how deep or um, uh, how fast are you trolling? Are you trolling with the current, against the current? It matters quite a bit. And there's times when you're going against the current that, like, you look down at the downrigger and, oh, it's swung way out. So it's probably, even though I got it set to 80 feet, it's probably only in 60 or 50 feet. And I don't think, I don't know, it seems like the fish bite or they favor one direction like when you're going with the current they seem to bite better when you're doing that but and i'm sure the guys that really have it figured out would say oh yeah this color spoon works really good and well it might even but, vary by the day
0: but yep. I, I know and i like i cheat i fish in canada for most of the time so it's like you put something down there kind of flashy or noisy or something big and you know put it in front of their nose and a lot of times it's just an, an aggressive uh, you know um you know, a reaction bite or something like that. They're just so, so aggressive. I don't know how many times we've caught big lake trout and pulled, you know, caught them on some sort of six or 10-inch bait and then pulled, you know, a 16, 18-inch fish out of their mouth after we bring them up. So much fun to catch. Uh, Marie, when you go out there on a superior, what's the first thing that you tie on?
2: Uh, white tube. Yeah. Is, is the go-to, yep. Um, I also like to use... I think they're called different things, but, um, beetle jigs, essentially, it's just a big chunk of metal does big circles and it has two tines for bait keepers, Mm -hmm. um, white, uh, chartreuse. They can't, can't resist just put a big filet of sucker or smelter or whatever you're using on the back of it. And
0: how about electronics? Um, are you guys using flashers? Have you gone into some of more of the, the live imaging or like, Scott, what do you like to use?
1: I do use a flasher but uh, and I'm sure that uh, Hunter and Marie would uh, agree it's just so exciting when you're fishing for lake trout or other trout species that they just are very aggressive they chase up and down you play the cat and mouse game and I've always said if had lake trout in southern Minnesota I don't know if I would fish for anything else but um, I'll quickly mention my brother-in-law bought a live scope unit and brought it along and I had a chance to sit next to him and fish with him on Sunday and it was, it was pretty awesome. We were on a 60, we were in 60 feet. Uh, the first hole we drilled, again, we don't have a map here. This is Boundary Waters. Uh, first hole that we drilled, we, we knew we were in the approximate area, drilled up top on a bedrock reef, chopping out at about 10 feet. And then uh, a really steep drop down to 60 and probably over uh, 70 feet is where that, that drop existed from 10 foot to 60. So we put the live scope down and you're able to see that sheer wall, which is probably hurting those fish to you. And then you can extend to open water and being able to see smelt and Cisco's on your graph, you know, as you're side scanning out, all of a sudden they clear out and you see a, a, a mark coming and you, you (laughs) see it approaching and it's hunting down your bait. So you, You know, you you play the cat and mouse game within your cone, but to do it in side scan, um, you can start to move that bait like it's, you know, nervous that it's about to get smoked. So drop it down to the bottom, bring it up high, and to to watch these lake trout, you know, as a a top predator, chase this thing down and, uh, you know, attack from below, uh, chase it up and down. Just really exciting. And actually it was fun. There was was two eel pout we found out afterwards we couldn't definitely tell what they were but they came down the rock face stayed on the bottom dropped down to them and uh, brother-in-law caught one so just seeing predator behavior uh, on on uh, on the live scope and being able to, to see those fish was was pretty exciting
0: there's so much fun to catch, and I, I think you're right. If we had even stream trout, I think in uh, more readily available here in the southern part of you know southern half of the state, I think I'd be chasing rainbows and brookies and lake trout way more. I mean, I like eating walleyes and crappies, so I'll probably still do that a little bit. But man, trout are just uh, my favorite example. That I when people ask me why I like trout fishing, my favorite thing to tell them was uh, we used to sit and watch the um, the underwater camera at the state fair, the DNR uh, fish pond at the state fair. They put an underwater camera in there. And you'd see like muskies would kind of float around and walleyes would just lay on the bottom and largemouth would pretty much just be laying on the bottom. And you'd just see trout just spinning 100 miles an hour around that tank, just never stop moving.
1: Very, very cool. It is. They are fun to watch.
0: So much fun to catch. All right. Um, This has been kind of a rambling conversation, of course, and we could get into some other topics, but I want to play a little Trout Trivia with you guys. Are you ready to play Trout Trivia here with Sporting Journal Radio? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to test your knowledge. Do we have any kind of sound effects or anything for this? Maybe. We can play this thing again. Yeah, we can do that. There we go. That's some good music for it. So here's, here's how it's going to work. We're going to ask you guys a couple of questions about Trout, and then... I'll probably just have you all give you, give you the you know, give me your answer. It'll be multiple choice, so I'll make it easy for you. You can all give me your answer and then I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Alright, you guys ready? Okay, I'm just gonna move this just a hair and move this right here. All right, question number one, trout trivia. Ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna start with lake trout. According to Wikipedia, lake trout are native to Canada and only a handful of states in the U.S. What American lake were they illegally introduced to and are now considered invasive? Is it A, Lake Superior? Is it B, Lake Placid? Is it C, Yellowstone Lake? Or is it D, Lake Minnetonka? Hunter, what's your guess? Lake Lake Superior. Lake Superior. Scott, what do you think? Sea as in cat. Yellowstone and Marie.
2: I have no idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are wrong. Uh, It is Yellowstone Lake, ladies and gentlemen. Yellowstone Lake. Lake trout were introduced in the Yellowstone National Parks, Shoshone, Lewis, and Heart Lakes legally in the 1890s. They were illegally or accidentally introduced in the Yellowstone Lake in the 1980s, where they are now considered invasive. Scott, congratulations. You got it correct. How did you know that, Scott? My line of work. (laughs) 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 That helps. That definitely helps. Sorry, Dan. What? Thank you. (laughs) All right, now you can go back. Question two. We share some things here, so sometimes we both control the computer. All right, question two, ladies and gentlemen. This one deals with brook trout. What of Minnesota's native trout species is the brook trout? Which of the following is not a nickname of the brook trout? Is it A, speckled trout? Is it B, square tail? Is it C, mud trout? Or is it D, dolly parton? Dolly parton. What do, you, what do you guys think? Anybody can answer if you want to.
3: D. I think I'm going to have to go with D.
0: It is Dolly Parton, ladies and gentlemen. Those are all all nicknames of the brook trout. All right, question three. Ladies and gentlemen, question three. Which of the following states does not list brook trout as its state fish? Is it A, New Hampshire? Is it B, North Carolina? Is it C, West Virginia? Or is it D, Michigan? Which of the following states do not list brook trout as it's state fish. New Hampshire, North Carolina, West Virginia, or Michigan. Scott, what do you think?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. I think all those states are within the native range of a brook trout, It's just a matter of, do they like them enough to make it their state fish? Um, let's go Michigan.
0: Michigan, all right, Hunter, what do you think? I'm thinking New
3: Hampshire, something something about it.
2: I'm gonna go with Michigan as well.
0: It's a trick question. They all list them as their state fish, ladies and gentlemen. There's, in fact, there's nine states that list the brook trout as its state fish: Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, New York, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Virginia, and West Virginia. And it's also the provincial fish of Nova Scotia in Canada. All right, question four: Brook trout aren't actually trout at all; they're char. Which of the following trout are not classified as char? Is it A, lake trout? Is it B, bull trout? Is it C, Dolly Varden? Or is it D, Mike trout? Mike trout. Which, which one of these are not char? Uh, what do you think, Scott?
1: I'm going to say the baseball player, Mike Trout.
0: (laughs) It is is the baseball player. Mike Trout is not a char, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Trout is not a char. He is, in fact, a baseball player. Um, Speaking of bull trout or uh, dolly varden, have any of you guys ever ran into those fish at all?
1: No. Hoping to get uh, into a dolly in Alaska this summer.
0: Oh, that'd be sweet. Very cool. All right. Question five, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, fortunately, it is our last question. Which oh, there's that's, uh, what was that there, Dan? It's the Dolly That was the Dolly Varden. All right. Which of the following is not a hybrid with a brook trout? Which of the following is not a hybrid with a brook trout? Is it A, Splake, B, Tiger Trout, C, Aspartac Char, or D, the Brooklyn Nets? Which one is not a hybrid with brook the <laughs> Brooklyn Nets? All right. Anyway, the spartic—I I didn't realize there was something called a spartic char. It is an intrageneric hybrid between the brook trout and the arctic char. Scott, did you know that? I bet you did.
1: Yeah, I did. Just be, uh, we we have a couple of those uh, you know crosses here in Minnesota with splake and and with uh, tigers. Yeah,
0: that's very cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is that is your t- uh, Trout Trivia. Ladies and gentlemen, your Trout Trivia. Dan, tell them what they're playing for today.
2: Well, they played since they yeah, already, already won. I like don't this. even know if you guys won. I think you were all pretty <laughs> average at the game. But you're going to get uh, your Scott own. Scott was pretty good. Well, yeah, we knew that. He's a biologist. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to get your own coffee mug from Sporting Journal Radio. You can put other things picture. in there. Well, it's, it's a coffee mug, but it keeps <laughs> beverages hot or cold. Uh, so there's Scott's, and we've got one for uh, everybody with your picture on it. It's pretty neat.
0: Yeah. So we made some with your photos on them, and we'll get those for you guys. So congratulations. Thanks for playing Trout Trivia, ladies and gentlemen. And thanks for being on the show. Scott Mockinson, thank you very much. Marie Nevey, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. And Hunter Madsen, thank you. Uh, good luck in all your fishing adventures, and thanks for the time on the show today. Thank you Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. This has been the Finding Fins Fishing Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or go to findingfins.com and make sure to like our sponsors. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere offers a simpler pace and has something
1: for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertilllakescountry.com.